0: Well, you're probably wondering what's in the box over here. This is uh, sermon illustrations. <laughs> uh, what I have here is a, just a bunch of things that I pulled out of my house, and I want you to—I'm going to I'm gonna categorize them, and I want you to kind of think through this and and see what I'm doing. See if you can determine what I'm doing here. Okay. On, on this side, this is, this is an orange here. It's a laptop computer. We got here a, a nice drill. Let's see, water, banana, partial bag of rice, some jeans. You know that. That's uh, yeah jeans i'm sorry we got a, a t-shirt over here all right chili from fred meyer we got oh it's dvds here uh a couple of my favorites the end of the spear uh because it's about tribal people and the gods must be crazy one and two because it's about tribal people Okay, what do we got here? These are books. We got a nice, good. Get a grab, grab a cup of tea and sit down and and read that thing through. Uh, a textbook from college. Let's see here. We got some. Uh, we'll just say this stands for medicine. This is just ibuprofen, but we'll say it's like something like prescription medicine. How about a, a camera? A camera. Digital camera. It's not an old one. Okay. And uh, this is the remote to our DVD player. Whoops. We don't use it very much. <laughs> and uh, finally, a key. And we'll say this is a key to our apartment. So, tell me what do I, what have I just done here? What two categories do I have? Needs and wants. Okay. On the one side, you got the things that you. The stuff that you don't need to survive, right? The stuff that you don't need to survive. And on this side, there's the stuff that you do need to survive, okay? Now, I just want to let you know that last week, we talked about the stuff that you don't need to survive. Remember this rich guy? He had this really productive field, and he had, I didn't mention this, but he he tore down his barns. He had more than one barn. forgot to mention that detail, but I think it's significant. He was rich, and then he had goods to go along with the grain that he, that he had, right? This was all extra stuff, and what was he concerned about in his life? More, right? He was concerned about more. He was concerned about today, living for this world, because that was on his mind. And had he given a thought to God? No, he didn't give any thought to God. That's what this stuff is all about over here, okay? This was last week. Last week, I was talking to those of you who have a lot of extra stuff, and that's what your focus is, okay? Or some of you who, like, waver in between this focus and a, and a divine focus, and this focus and a divine focus, and a, this fo- you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about those of you who are thinking about whether you're actually going to have enough to survive the week or the month. Or the year, okay? Maybe you're not sure that you're gonna have enough to get to the end. You're not sure that you have what it takes to survive, even. Look at the text with me. We're going to Luke chapter 12, and we're gonna continue on our trek through this passage. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Yes, 12, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. He says this in verse 22. And He said to His disciples... For this reason, I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. I want you to notice a couple important things in this passage, okay? First of all is the word disciples, right? And he said to his disciples, there's really no change of context, okay? We just got done talking about the rich man in the context of a huge crowd, so big that people were stepping on each other. But now, Jesus turns to His disciples, in a sense, who are sitting right there, and He says something to them. He has a special message for them. In other words, Christians, this is for you. Okay? It's as if Jesus is sitting, you, you're part of a crowd, and then He picks you out and says, listen, I have something to say to you, special. This is not generally for the whole crowd, but I'm going to say it to you. He says this to His disciples. uh, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. The second thing that He says that's important that I want you to notice here is that He says, do not worry about your life or your body. Worrying about personal needs is what this whole passage is all about. In fact, look at this. It starts out there, do not worry about your life. Look in verse 28. Okay? He he tells the disciples, You men of little faith, apparently they had a problem trusting God for their needs. Look in verse 29. And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. He's concerned about what their about their needs. And He wants them to not worry. This is the main point of the passage. In fact, you could even say that this was the main point of the previous passage that we looked at last week, right? What was the guy worried about? What was he concerned about? He was concerned about today. He was thinking about today. He wasn't worried like the disciples uh, in that sense because he had a lot. But he was still focused on money. Okay. Well, Worry is sort of a strange thing, right? We know that we're not supposed to worry, okay? Because there's a whole bunch of passages that say, do not worry, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. We know that we're not supposed to worry, but it's sort of a weird thing because it's almost like one of those, one of those things that happens to you that you really don't have a control over, you know? You're not supposed to be worried, but... But sometimes it just, it just happens. Like when a difficult situation happens in your life or you're not sure of what's going to happen, you worry like almost as if it's just an emotional response. You, you can't help it. And then once you're in the midst of it, you're weighed down by the pressures of it and you don't know how to get out of it. You know what I'm saying? Have you been there? Well, there's one thing I don't want to do today. I don't want to send you home the same with the same problem that you came with, being unable to deal with this worry, and uh, I think that I have made some really cool discoveries in God's Word this week and previously, and uh, what they can do is they can really help you to break to to break down what exactly is happening in your life when you are worrying about your money, okay, and so what what we're going to do is we're going to discover three. Uh, three things that help you not to fret over your finances. All right? Three discoveries that help you not to fret over your finances. Now, I'm not, I, I, uh, we're going to really hit the first two hard and, I'm, and we're going to see if we can make it to the third one because I've got a lot to cover. The first one is that worry is not an emotion, it's a perspective. Worry is not an emotion primarily, it's a perspective. And I get this, from the word which is translated, do not worry. The word there means, it comes from another word that means to divide. Divide. Like to divide into parts. Okay? Like uh, when we, uh, in, I guess we don't do it that way here. Um, when you separate things, you're breaking things into parts like Legos. Okay? When you're taking a Lego thing apart, you break them into little pieces so they're individually there. That's the idea here. Uh, And so literally it's saying do not be divided. Okay, don't be divided. There's another word that occurs in this passage. It's in verse twenty nine. It says, and do not keep worrying. Do not keep worrying. That that word there means to literally be lifted up into the air, into the midair. So it's sort of like you're you're just hanging out up there. Okay? Now, in what way do you think he means you're divided? In what sense are you divided when you worry? In what sense are you lifted up in the midair? Now let, me, let me just guide your thinking here. What kinds of thoughts go through your mind when you are worried? Okay? For example, let's say you get an unexpected phone call from the police. And they say, Excuse me, uh, sir, ma'am, are you so-and-so's father, mother? yeah um you need to come to the hospital right away because uh, it's important. Uh, be here as soon as possible, please. Thank you. What's going on in your mind? <laughs> what are you thinking about? Well, on the one hand, you hope that it's going to be good. Maybe it's just like a bruised elbow or scratched or some broken bone on their hand or something right? But what is also going on in your mind e r <laughs> you get pictures of this person gasping for air because they were in a car accident or something like that you know you have these two sides you're di- you are divided on which conclusion is right okay you hope for the best and you can trust god for the best but at the same time you just are are you you know that it's very possible that this person could be really suffering and that's a bad thing right now okay you're divided that's the same thing with when you're lifted up into the air. You're kind of hanging in the midair. Not con- you're not decided on a conclusion. In a sense, you could say that it's like being burdened by uncertainty or burdened with uncertainty. Okay? You're, you're, there's pressure on you because the stakes are really high. I mean, if they're okay, then they're okay, right? I can be relaxed about that. Yeah, I can pay for the broken arm. But if they're like dying, this is crazy. I have to do something fast or I might not even get to see them again. You know what I'm saying? So there's a burden there that is caused by your perspective of the situation. If you know that they're okay, what would solve your problem, right? You would want to know, oh, he's okay. He just broke his pinky. It's just done. It's over with. No more worry, right? But if the person is, is not answering your question, that doesn't solve the problem, right? Because you can't come to a conclusion. That is what I think is the coolest thing. That's, that's the first discovery. that you can, When you understand what worry is, it helps you to solve what, it, what the problem is, right? If you know that it is your perspective... That causes you to to have these emotional responses of worry, and like your stomach starts to churn because of that, how do you fix it? you change you fix your perspective first that 's what you fix okay let 's put it in today 's terms right What areas of your finances are you worried about today? economy 's kind of slow right maybe you 're worried about your retirement package that 's gone. Maybe you're a little bit worried about the fact that hours at your work have gone dropped down quite a few. Maybe you're into sales and you notice that people just aren't buying stuff lately. Maybe you're waiting. Maybe you have actually done work for somebody, but you're waiting on a check to come to you. You're self-employed. Mechanics or something like that. Construction. That could cause... Some worry, right? I have bills to pay at this date. <laughs> and they're not going to wait for me to get the money before they start charging me extra interest or something like that, or, or uh, penalties. I have these payments to make. If I get the money, if I know the money's coming, great, I'm happy. But if the money doesn't come, I could be in serious trouble here. The question is, what are you going to do? You, you have a couple choices. You could just sit and dwell on it and think about it, right? That's pretty fun. <laughs> That's what we do. It seems like be what we naturally lean to as if we like the pain. But what else could you do? How about going to the Scripture to see what the Bible says about money and possessions and things you need? For example, you could go to Philippians 4.11-13, right? What does he say there? He says, this is Paul speaking, and he gives really an incredible perspective on things that he needs or things that he doesn't need. He says, not that I speak from want. He was talking about a gift that they had given to him or that he's requesting from them. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Here it is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, how would that help your perspective and your worried feelings? If you are able to take on that perspective, I can be content with whatever God gives me. How's that going to transform your life? Big time. Big time. Because all of a sudden, you don't really care if you're super rich or if you just have the basic necessities. You have the shirt on your back and the jeans. Okay, And you're okay with that how could that help your perspective and help your emotions? How about this one? How about 2 Corinthians 8? Uh, I don't think that's right. I think it's 2 Corinthians 9-8 or something like that. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. That's pretty like, you know... (laughs) hyperbolic. There's a, there's a seminary word for you. <laughs> it's so amazing what God does and what He can do in your life with, what you, with, with the needs that you have. He can meet all of your needs so that you will have all sufficiency to do whatever good deed you think you want to do. That's incredible. That's incredible. You can just release you can get your eyes off the bling, as the title of these, uh, the series is. You could go to Matthew 6, right? You could even go to the passage we're looking at right now. In fact, that leads me to the second discovery that helps you not to fret over your finances. This one is that God tells you why you don't need to fret about your finances. He tells you exactly Why? Keep in mind that this is a solution to the problem as we've described it, right? We need to change our thinking about it. We need to be reminded why we don't need to be worried, okay? And here's what he's going to do. Brilliant. He's going to give us eight reasons not to fret about our finances. Eight of them between verses 23 and 32. Look at what he says in verse 23. He says, "...for life is more than food." and the body is more than clothing. Now this sounds a little bit familiar, right? Look up in verse 15. How does it end? It says, uh, Beware, and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. He's saying the same thing here. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. In other words, there's more to life than just this thing right here. There's more to life than this stuff. In other words, all the, your, your, your basic needs to survive are only of secondary importance to God. Does that make sense? There's some people starving around the world. Does God care about that? Yeah. But guess what He cares about more? He cares about their growth. He cares about their spiritual growth. You might be going through hard times right now. I don't know about your situation individually. But these things are just temporary. They're this world. What you need to do instead is you need to get a little taste of heaven every day. Not just these tasty things. Not just a a good set of clothes to wear. But you need to consider what God has to say about your life. There's a whole other dimension. An eternal, heavenly dimension. You're going to be going there someday. That's the cool part. Guess what? In heaven, there's no bad news. There's no bad news about heaven. You can be excited about that rather than focused on the trials of this life. So, get your eyes off this bling of yours, and you can focus on the scripture. Focus on what God has. There's the second thing, verse 24. Second reason. It's kind of interesting here. It's just he offers an illustration from nature, from God's creation. It says, Consider the ravens. Ravens were a bird, sort of like a crow, about two, three pounds, really strong. They could fly a long ways. And they were scavengers. They would, they would get their food by scavenging what had died or uh, like a crow does, right? They hang out at parks. Why? Because people leave stuff behind. That's where you find crows. They're scavengers. But listen, consider the ravens. For they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn. Yet God feeds them And how much more valuable are you than the birds? You guys hear what Jesus just said? This is is an incredible truth that you guys need to understand. Because the major, the whole, the whole of a lot of our society does not understand this principle. That you are more important than the birds. Okay? How many of have, have you have heard that I think you can get like a $5,000 fine and, uh, and, and like five years in prison for if you happen to kill a, a bald eagle, right? But they will support you if you want to kill your child, right? You know that God actually thinks that you are more valuable than a bird, That's amazing. Evolution doesn't teach that. We're going through how to defend the faith. Evolution does not teach that at all. You're just like them. You're just a a little bit more complex. But see, the Bible says that you are more valuable than birds. And get this. God takes care of even the birds. And He takes care of them well. Look at this so much so that they don't even sow or reap. That's referring to making a harvest, right? They don't plant and they don't harvest. Have you ever seen a bird, a crow, pushing a rototiller? <laughs> I mean, you might have a, envision one sitting on top of the handle of one, but not doing anything with it, right? <laughs> you don't see them driving tractors or... Wielding a pitchfork. No. They're just out for the next meal whenever they find it. Yet, you know what? God provides for them. So why do you think that God will not provide for you? Why do you think that? Obviously, you do because you're worrying about that. You're, you're not totally convinced that God will take care of you. My question is, why do you, why do you think that? He takes care of the birds. Look at this. They don't even have a storeroom or a barn. <laughs> they don't even go around scavenge and then, and then store up. The, the storeroom would be like an inner room that you could inside of your house that you would store valuable items. And then a barn this is the same kind of barn that was mentioned in the previous passage, okay, where you would store your, your grain or your livestock. These birds don't have anything like that. So why do you think that having a retirement plan that is solid is going to make it make you or break you? God feeds the birds. He'll feed you too. Alright, uh, number 3. Verse 25 says that fretting over, over finances doesn't accomplish anything. Listen to this. And which of you, by by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? See, he's referring back to that worry issue, okay? That being divided in your mind as to what the conclusion is. Is this going to turn out good for me or not? Okay? You don't have to waver at all when you trust God's Word. Which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour? Some of your translations say add a single cubit to his lifespan, or to his stature. Cubit is just this long. That's what the literal phrase is. But the idea is that you can't do anything to make your life improved, like longer or greater. Okay? You can't do a thing with worrying. Being more, overly, being more concerned about your finances doesn't help anything because God takes care of you no matter what. God takes care of you no matter what. Fourth thing. God puts clothes on plants with a terribly short lifespan, so He'll clothe you too. That's in verse twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Consider the lilies. That would be a, like a a plant that had a flower, and it's also described as grass. Okay, it had a grass part, and then it would bloom, and they would call that a lily. And this was a a, a plant of the field. Uh. Listen to this. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Spin would be like spinning to make a garment, like cotton garment. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. Now let me read you, read to you, what Solomon, uh, what his life was like. It's not turning to it. 1 Kings 10 is where I'm headed. Here it is. Listen to what the queen of Sheba said when she came. She, when the queen of Sheba per- perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendants of his waiters, and their attire, that is their clothes, his cupbearers and his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her it says in chronicles which is the parallel passage to that that she was just breathless she saw all of it and was like man this guy's this guy's got it together S- sort of interesting even after that. She was so impressed with His wisdom and His glory. Everything that He had going for Him that she gave Him 120 talents. That was like four and a half tons of gold. I, mean, I don't do that usually to encourage people, but <laughs> she was really impressed with this guy. Amazing! But you know what Jesus is saying here? That neither these, these, uh, these plants... They don't toil. They don't do anything for themselves. They just grow up. But guess what? God clothes them. He puts clothes on them. These things are like grass that is here today and is gone tomorrow. What happens with a hay field every year? More than once a year. It grows up really long. And then what? It dries out. It gets really dry. It turns like tan color and then it starts to fall over because it's dead right well it's the idea here this grass grows up it sprouts its little flower then pretty soon it's gone they cut it away they take it and throw it in the fire no problem that's that's what he's saying but this that's how brief these lives are of these plants but guess what you're going to last a whole lot longer than that Verse 28, But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will He clothe you? This is It should be obvious to you. It's like birds, okay? God cares about the birds. He cares about the plants. But guess what? You're like a thousand times more important than that. So why are you starting to think that God's not going to take care of you? It's foolishness. That's why Jesus is reasoning with us with really simple ideas because He wants us to get it. Okay. Verse, uh, verse 30 is another reason. Number 5. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. You understand that when you worry and you are searching after these uh, things that you need, you are being just like a pagan Somebody who doesn't believe in God and if you think about it you're acting like it because you're not trusting in what he's doing for you. you're not trusting that he is your father, which is the second which is the the other one okay but your father knows that you need need these things. Your father knows that's the incredible truth that I referred to earlier, okay you are valuable to God, but not only that. He is your Father. Let me ask you, do fathers take care of their children when they, when they need something? Yeah. Even wicked ones. Listen to what Matthew 7, 9-11 says. Or what man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in, who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? You guys realize that there is a Father in heaven who loves you. He thinks that you are more valuable than the birds which He also created. And He's going to take care of you like a father does. And when you go and ask Him for things... He's not going to like joke with you and give you something like, "Hey, here's a snake. You ask for some bread. <laughs> you want some, you want some, uh, you want some, some fish? Yeah, I'll give you fish. Watch. No, He's a good God. He's a good father. He's going to take care of your needs. Look at verse 31. Number, reason number seven. is but seek His kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. Do you understand that God is already promising to give you what you need? He has already promised you that this stuff is coming. It's on its way. It's already loaded in the truck, and it's en route. Not only that, look at what verse 32 says. This is reason number eight. Do not be afraid, little flock. Now He thinks of you as His precious sheep. For your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. This is a past decision. God made this decision already and He was happy to do it. That's what the Greek word teaches, communicates. He was happy to choose to give you not just, not just what you need, like this stuff over here. But He's also given you other stuff like this over here. Speaking in, in heavenly terms. Okay? He is going to give you the kingdom. He's going to give you responsibilities. He's going to give you a mansion to live in. He's going to hook you up. That's another reason not to worry or to fret about your finances. I want to do something here. Uh, I want to tell you a story about my own life in the last month of how this works. Okay? You might be thinking, yeah, that's, that's great teaching. I've heard that like ten times before. But I'm not sure I'm convinced about it. Okay? I want to tell you how this worked in my life. And then I want to hear how this worked in your life. I'm going to give you an opportunity to share how when you sought God, okay, He provided for your needs. Now, you pastors, you missionaries especially, I want to hear from you. Because I know you guys got lots of them. You guys know that the economy's been slow, and so uh, the same thing has been true with my dad's job. He's, he, we got a construction company, he does. And uh, we put on roofs and all kinds of different things, but it has been a little bit slow. I've been working on his house some, and so what I did is I, uh, I wanted to be a good steward of the resources that God has given me, and uh, took and, and went in to uh, get that unemployment insurance of Washington that the state of Cal- the state of Washington provides for us. And um, so I tried to get on that, and I, I have a unique situation. That they don't, their system doesn't really work with. You see, um, I have two part-time jobs, and their system only works with people who have full-time jobs or are looking for full-time jobs. Okay, so I can tell them, yes, I worked forty hours, but but I have to answer the question: Are you looking? And did you look for at least three full-time jobs this week? Every week that I get. Like help from them, I have to answer that question because they want me to be looking for a job. They don't want bums to be on the system, right? Just constantly drawing and not doing anything. so they want to know that you're looking, and that's reasonable, okay that that's cool. I'm okay with that. I don't know how, if there's any other way that they could keep track. but um so my sister, my situation is unique. I work at the church. that's not covered, okay? I don't pay unemployment insurance at the at the church here but i do get paid so i I include that as what i get paid and then i get a part time with my dad well so i can't legitimately say that i went out and i'm not going to go and search for another full-time job because that would mean i would have to stop working at the church and i'm not going to do that it just doesn't happen so i had an opportunity right there i thought about this not seriously but i thought about what how, how can a person actually do this legitimately? And you almost, in my situation, in order to gain from that, you, you would basically have to lie. Okay? I could lie to the unemployment insurance, right? And I could say, oh yeah, I looked for three places of work. Yeah, I made three phone calls. I got three answering machines. But I looked. <laughs> oh, I did talk to one person. And I told them, yeah, I'm interested in the job, but I'm not really I could lie to the employment insurance and say I made the three calls. Or I could lie to the to the employers themselves and say, hey, I'm looking for work. Have you got anything? And so they scramble and try and maybe find something. But I, I couldn't do that. That doesn't sound right. So I did what I did. I just called them up and said, this is the situation. No, I didn't look for work because I'm not going to look for work. <laughs> Because I got two part-time jobs that equal a forty-hour week, I, I got I got all I need. I'm just a little bit dropped in my hours in one of my part-time jobs, but I had the opportunity to lie there. <laughs> but I just I held my ground and said, just just gonna tell the truth and see what happens. Right? Sorry, sir, we can't help you. You you need to be looking for a full-time job. Okay. So now what? So now I'm I'm I still don't get any help from the people that that we pay them to help me out, right? I have this insurance but I don't get the benefit from it. Well, here's the here's the neat thing. That same after, that that morning is when I had this conversation. I actually had a conversation with my coworker about it and what would what could a person do? And uh, that afternoon after I had made the decision that I'm not going to I'm not going to lie that afternoon the the georgia had been applying for a pregnancy insurance and i guess the dshs has some really good insurance you know for and they have pretty i don't know open standards i guess and so so we have she applied for that for the pregnancy and that afternoon she got the call back by the way you're covered and you got to understand this is significant because insurance trying to find insurance that covers like a pre-existing condition, which is a pregnancy, that's like hard to find or impossible to find, right? And it costs about $10,000 if you have to go to the hospital. So this is a major expense. But you know what? They called that afternoon and said, hey, you're covered. Not only that, but we'll, we'll probably back pay you for the things that you've already paid for, like your ultrasounds and stuff like that. Is that not cool or what? A God takes care of you. You seek first His kingdom. You seek His kingdom. You do what's right. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. God added to me that day. Now I want to hear from you. What are some things that God has blessed you with when you stood faithful? Jewel.
1: They paid us like $100 a month, and we had to rent a house to live in. And uh, so John had to work some extra, and uh, we had to buy a little bit of furniture, which we had to pay $25 a month on. We had met a couple in the east where we had been previously because we knew their parents. We just met them. They started sending us $25 a month, just enough to pay the furniture payment. And when the last payment was paid, they quit sending it. They didn't know it was the last one, but they quit. Wow, cool.
0: <laughs> Let we, us know who you are, brother.
1: Jim Ively. Uh, Missionary. Jeb's, Jeb's grandfather. We've worked 45 years with a mission group. Uh, We've always had our needs met, never had to ask, and we've always had our wants met as well. Uh, Our three kids were born and raised in Indonesia. They're all back in the States. They've all gone to Christian colleges, all got their degrees from a Christian college. They're all married believers. They're all living now in Whatcom County all going to three different good churches, raising their kids to love the Lord, and they're active in the Lord for Christ, in the church for
0: Christ. Cool. Pastor John. About
1: 60 years ago, I was finishing my training in New York State. A fellow came to me and he said... uh, how would you like to have a little church down in Pennsylvania? I said, yeah. So he goes down to recommend me. And the old fellow's sitting over in the corner. He said, we don't have much money. I said, I didn't say it. I had added a need for money. But I said, uh, would you give me enough to get gasoline to get back to 35 miles to Binghamton? Oh, yeah, maybe that. uh, but don't expect too much, and they go on and on and on and on. And uh I got in there, and I threw the gospel at them in a way they could understand it. And in ten months, the church was full, and uh we went on to another church in northern New York, and we learned about something that was really important, and... Love Israel and give to Israel salvation and God will bless you. And one night, uh, I was having a bad time in prayer meeting and only a few people there. We took up an offering for Israel and, uh, I got I sent it off to American Board Mission to the Jew. I got a letter back on a Friday that said, uh, you watch for God to bless your church. And would you believe, I'm telling you this for the truth, uh, we couldn't even have Sunday school after church. I gave an invitation and all the aisles were full of people coming down to the altar. And uh, we went into a revival and uh, every church out of the ten that I pastored uh, that gave to Israel and prayed for Israel with full right to the doors. So uh, I would say love Israel and pray for them and, and give to their salvation.
0: Cool. See what I'm saying? How many people here have read a missionary biography? And found an example, an incredible example of how God met a need. Raise a hand. Raise a hand. Look around. Look around. Raise them high so people can see. There's a lot of testimonies out there about how God can meet your needs if you are faithful to Him. You seek first His kingdom. Okay? This is real stuff. God can really meet your needs, and He really means what He says. Jesus is talking about this. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this this time. Thank You for Your Word, which is so helpful, so encouraging to us. Thank You for taking care of our needs and for and for communicating this to us that You are our Father. You are our Shepherd. And You treat us better than birds. You treat us better than grass. We're grateful for that because we, really, as much as we sin, we really don't deserve it. In fact, we probably deserve a lot less than the grass gets. But we're grateful that you have mercy on us and that you love us and you treat us like your children and that we will have treasure in heaven someday. God, I pray that you bless us this week and um, you'd be honored in our lives and in our decisions. Help us not to worry because it's just foolishness when you consider what you've said about it